This is Robert Dillon, and welcome to the Help Me Understand podcast, a learning conversation designed to release trap wisdom into the system through a series of interviews with everyday awesome people. Hope you enjoy the ideas, questions, resources, and laughs that come with guests helping me to understand a wide variety of topics. Here we go. Good day and welcome back. This episode features Eric Minkus. He is contributing to the world and showcasing his leadership as professor of law at Arizona State University. It was great to catch up with Eric, another of my 1992 Patentwell alums. We talk about his opportunity to promote innovation and entrepreneurship through the design of modern law school programming. It really is more interesting than it sounds on the surface there. In addition, Eric continues to play basketball, and he has passed the love of the game on to his sons. We talk a little bit about that as well. I hope you enjoy this fun conversation with my friend, Eric Minkus. Eric, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know we were just talking about all kinds of uh, things in the world, uh, but where, uh, where would people find you in the world today, and what are you up to? Sure. So I, uh, I live in Tempe, Arizona, and I work for the Sandra Day O'Connor College of Law at uh, Arizona State University. We are on ASU's downtown campus, uh, which is, you know, uh, down by all the sporting facilities and all of that, not the main Tempe campus that most people think of. Yeah, it's funny. I, when I was in Tempe a couple weeks ago, I didn't know exactly where the campus was. I was downtown. I saw a bunch of ASU buildings, and uh, uh, I even got to climb uh, a mountain there. So it was kind of fun to be in Tempe. I know you have a deep love of Tempe. Uh, um, give uh, the folks listening a chance to kind of get a sense of uh, when did you first arrive out there and kind of uh, what do you love about it? Sure. So I uh, moved out here, arrived August 3rd, 1992, uh, and I've lived in Tempe uh, all but about 10 months of the, the interim years there. Um, I think what I really liked about it is, A, I just like the lifestyle, a little more outdoors, a little more uh, sort of just warm weather, even though in the summer it's hot, it's still able to be outside. And then I went from what high school did you go to, to where are you from? Most people aren't from Arizona. And I went um, within the first year and a half of being here, I went from uh, a pseudo living in the same room my entire life, growing up there in St. Louis, to knowing people from all 50 states. Uh, so it was it was just kind of a, a cool environment. And Tempe's well run. It's a nice balance here of uh, sort of viewpoints. And so I really enjoy the city. Yeah. And then the whole, uh, I went from being an undergrad into law school. Uh, was there a gap in there? Did you go straight to law school? And then um, tell me a little bit about your role at the law school. Sure. So I uh, graduated in 1996 with an industrial engineering degree and actually went to work for American Express uh, doing process re-engineering and Six Sigma work. And I did that for about four years and then went back to law school in uh, 2000. I always knew I was going to get my MBA, uh, but my buddy started law school and I thought, oh, wow, uh, they're doing some really interesting things in law school. So I did it opposite of most people. I added the JD on top of the MBA instead of the other way around. So I did the four-year JD MBA program here at ASU, graduating 2004, uh, and then worked a little bit on my own. My interest was working with entrepreneurs, and the law school started 
uh, a program helping entrepreneurs start start businesses. And the students from there were uh, law students, business students, engineering students, and science students. And I had a degree from three of those four colleges. And so I, they asked me to come on and help launch that program. Uh, and then my current role is Associate Dean of New Education Initiatives. And that is something I've done since 2012. And my role is basically every, I run all the educational programs at the law school that are not our traditional three-year law degree. So we have okay. one-year master's degrees that we deliver in person and online, continuing legal ed. We do some online uh, professional ed, sort of self-paced online things uh, for people in the industry. Um, so I run all of that. I'm, I'm essentially new product development in a law school environment. Yeah, so does that feel kind of like Skunk Works? Do you get kind of a little uh, broad range to say like, hey, I saw this other university trying this thing out. I like their idea, but if we added this to it, it would be our flavor. Do you get kind of some freedom to do that kind of work? Yeah, that's, that's actually uh, a big part of my job. So we have a leadership retreat every summer, and I come into the retreat with – uh, lots of ideas, and we have a two or three hour brainstorm session where it comes out of that of what I and my team are going to work on for the next year. So I've, I pretty much have promised the dean that I will launch two new things per year, and those could be uh, a new pathway through a degree program, a new degree program, could be concurrent degrees, uh, depending on what we decide we want to do that year. So if you were thinking all the way on the edge and maybe things that people aren't currently thinking about kind of on the bleeding edge of, you know, whatever that looks like, what's out there that people aren't really thinking of that maybe is just in the infancy stage? Sure. Well, uh, I think the current uh, climate and current events highlight it, but health and public health are really important. These are things that uh, have been coming along but uh, are now especially highlighted. So we have some uh, offerings in those areas. Compliance, people don't really realize how large the compliance industry is growing. Um, there are thousands and thousands of unfilled jobs. And when you talk to people that are hiring in those areas, they all say there is no sort of training that exists for these people. So we pluck people out of other areas of our organization and bring them into compliance, but then we have to train them and train them and train them. So we actually have a, a co corporate and healthcare compliance aspect to our curriculum. Um, and then there's kind of really niche areas that are interesting. Uh, things like business immigration is something that's uh, kind of taken on an importance. And a lot of these kind of, I specialize in areas that are, legal education for people that don't want to be lawyers. And so a lot of these areas are, uh, you know, they're, they're really reg highly regulated. The law impacts them a lot, but they have a lot of people who are not trained lawyers in those roles. And so this is there to help them uh, in those positions. And often they interact a lot with their legal team. And so they need to be able to speak the language. Yeah, I have a good friend of mine in the Northeast that is a JD as well and is in education. And she really brings that lens about data privacy and in education, we're looking at you know cybersecurity and data privacy. And certainly you don't need to be a lawyer to be in those fields, but if you see the connection and you look through that lens, it's, it's quite helpful. So that's yeah. kind of interesting. Uh, beyond kind of the workplace, uh, what are you kind of passionate and curious about these days? Sure. So I'm always a big fan of entrepreneurship. Uh, I'm trying to keep uh, 
abreast of things going on there. Phoenix is actually a pretty strong hub for entrepreneurship right now. Uh, so it's hard to do that and the focus on launching new programs, but I really enjoy entrepreneurship. As you know, I'm huge into uh, Sun Devil Athletics. I'm football basketball season ticket holder and we take kids to we take our kids to uh games and then speaking of kids that's the other thing my kids are five and six so i'm right in two boys so i'm right in the middle of that as well so we're doing t-ball baseball basketball soccer at any points of the year so it's uh that keeps me busy as well did your uh did your children get your height dna or are they uh, growing fast are they like in the 99th percentile on height yeah, so my oldest is in the 99th percentile, and my youngest is actually completely off the chart. There is no place to plot him. Um, so they have gotten it. Um, it'll be interesting because I, I, didn't, I didn't physically mature and stop growing until I got here in uh, Phoenix. And so the I actually sun. Grew. It, The sun stunted your growth. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, <laughs> but no, I actually grew an inch and a half after I graduated high school. So oh, wow. I'll be interested to see if uh, my kids sort of grow early or if they are kind of late bloomers like I was. It'll be uh, fun to watch. Yeah, I'm watching both my daughters now kind of get some height. My wife and I, you know, aren't tall, tall people, but like they're stretching out. They look like little pencils and they're getting much taller than the rest of their classmates, especially my uh, my sixth grader. I see her running around the basketball court, which isn't fun to watch, but uh, she gets after it and she's bigger than most of the girls out there. So uh, she has some fun with it, if nothing else. So yeah, no, and then you, you said uh, something about uh, taking kids, but also, I guess, taking alums uh, on the road. I know um, you've done that for the last couple of years. Where all have you taken folks? I know the list is long, but just for a few examples, maybe. Oh, sure. You're probably talking to uh, our big alumni tailgate we do every year of our uh, tailgating group. We get usually somewhere between 70 and 100 people that all kind of descend on a location. And over the years, we've done so we just follow ASU's best away game, I guess is the best way to to say that what we do. But we've gone to Georgia, we've gone to uh, gone to let's see where did we go recently? Michigan State. No, we've gone basically all over the country. We did Texas A and M when we played them in Dallas. Um, so it's it's really fun that we call ourselves. It's, it's just a goof, but we call ourselves the Mustache Nation. We grow goofy mustaches and fly somewhere for a tailgate every year. It's just you know. 40-year-olds acting like 20-year-olds, basically. Yeah, I've got that going this weekend as, uh, you know, at the time of airing here, we are, uh, the NCAA tournament's going to be played behind closed doors, but I've got a group of guys coming in town from all over, other educators, to watch the tournament this weekend in St. Louis. So um, it's okay when you're 40-ish and act like 20-ish every once in a while. Yeah, you just got it. Now the difference is you got to schedule it and you got to give yourself about four days recovery in order to. Uh, right, right. There's no quick turn. Yeah. Um, so kind of in the last two decades or so, kind of peak experiences for you, maybe like, uh, you know, beyond the birth of your children, what are a couple things that uh, you point to as, man, I got a chance to do this or I got a chance to meet this person. What are a couple of peak experiences you've had? Sure. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not really into uh, like people. I'm not much of a like fan person. Like even not, uh, like I like people, but it's not sort of like even Michael Jordan, who was my idol growing up. It would be cool to meet that person, but I'm not like a wow. For me, it's more like places I get to go. Uh, two summers ago, work took me to uh, Australia 
and we're we have a partnership with the University of New South Wales and their law school. So I was able to go down there, and that was great. Uh, that was really fun. Um, Australia is great. I always tell people, if you you know, getting there is not great, but once you're there, it's awesome. Um, so that was really fun. I was able to bring my wife on that, um, and then I think more than anything, just being viewed, being able to work ourselves into being viewed as leaders in this sort of law schools doing education for people who don't want to be lawyers for a long time. Law schools have basically just been kind of like medical schools where we only really worked with people who want their sort of, you can't handle the truth moment, right? Like that's, (laughs) that's all we did. But in the last seven or eight years, we now have over uh, 500 people enrolled at the law school, whether online or ground that aren't going to be attorneys. That's not what they're interested in, but they need legal education. And, and that's been really fun to try and, uh, to try and make that happen and to, to grow that. Yeah, I love that. And I would say beyond, um, you know, maybe some people, this is new news to me that, you know, that law schools are thinking beyond and maybe ASU is in front of a lot of folks, but um, I, I see it for sure. Even when you mentioned immigration law and being able to help people get work visas and do those sorts of things, um, yeah, there seems like there's a rich environment for that. Whether or not you like the litigious society we live in, there's a lot of jobs there. And so um, we, we take what goes from there. Um, yeah, we kind of know, going, no, so go ahead. I always say we're, we're in the business of hopefully educating people to avoid litigation. Um, so, but that the lawyers definitely need to be involved in litigation, but hopefully we can educate people and they can spot the issues that are coming up and avoid it. That's cool. And uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I've been doing, and as you know, a lot of work around learning environments and learning space and Australia and New Zealand are definitely leaders in the world around that. And so I'm not too far off of making a trip over there to both do some work and to see the work that's happening there at the University of Melbourne. So uh, I'm excited. And I had a moment of just picturing you being on a plane for 16 hours and how comfortable that had to be. Well, I, uh, I'm expensive. I force ASU being, you know, six, seven, 300 pounds. I force ASU to put me up in uh, business class for anything over about five hours. But the pro tip that I've heard from many people is for those that want to go in expensively, fly to Hawaii, stay overnight there, and then fly Hawaii down there. It'll uh-huh. allow you to stretch your legs. And if, even if you're in coach, it's not terrible at that point. Oh, I like it. So, um, so, um, where have you seen kind of the best of humanity? I think we're in a day and age where like it's easy to find uh, people that are doing the wrong thing or people that are hateful or whether that's social media mess, but kind of where, where do you find the best of humanity these days? Well, Twitter, of course. No, I'm just joking <laughs> about that. Um, no, it, that's really interesting because you can see it in so many little gestures, just walking around uh, every day that, and I think a lot of us kind of skip over it and don't take notice of that. But I, I try to try, I try to notice those little things. Um, but I think probably for me, just because I've been so immersed in it, I think I see a lot of it in the entrepreneurship community. There's a lot of, even though it's based on competition, right? I mean, you're starting companies and trying to grow and eat market share there's a lot of help there. There's a lot of people that are really willing to help others and give them a leg up. And so, I mean, that's probably not, you know, they're not, some of them may be curing cancer, but the little groups that they're in, they're not at that moment curing cancer, but they're really, what they're really doing is helping people accomplish their dreams. And uh, at a base level, I can't think of much more sort of 
positive and human than that. And so uh, that's why I enjoy entrepreneurship. I enjoy being with people who are dreamers and people who want to do big things. Yeah, that's cool. And I, I, I follow a lot of folks doing social entrepreneurship and how mm -hmm. we're bringing that into schools. And there's a great organization, a, uh, organization called Ashoka who really yep. has been doing social entrepreneurship for a long time and bringing that into schools. And so uh, I've paid attention and been a part of some of their work. And so I see a lot of the beauty of humanity in that space as well. And I do think that we have to slow down enough to notice it because we can zip by the good stuff and just get caught in the bad. Um, so if you had to point to maybe if we go all the way back to high school, who's one teacher that you probably appreciate now more than you did when you left? Oh, wow. That's a tough question because there's so many of them. I mean, I think one of the best things uh, growing up was just the quality of people at Pattonville overall. Um, but I guess, you know, it's hard to not look at someone like Coach Han, who I spent so much time with playing basketball and, and doing all that as someone who shaped my life. Um, and he and I luckily still keep in touch. So when I'm back there in St. Louis, occasionally we'll go to lunch or those things. Um, so I think that was big. And then, you know, like uh, Mr. Pugh, who taught physics, um, didn't really get it at the time, but how hard that has to be to teach physics to high school kids and all of that. It's just really something that, uh, you know, that, that's something I didn't really appreciate when I was there. But now I look back and I'm like, man, that, that, was, really, that was really tough. I'm really happy he did that. Yeah, and having been a teacher, kind of knowing um, how hard that is sometimes, but also to see that different styles of people can be effective, right? And so that, yeah. um, you know, the, he was a totally different character than somebody else as we played out. All right, some final questions as we kind of wrap up. Um, lightning round a little bit. What are you currently reading? Oh, wow. I'm currently reading a lot of coronavirus stuff just trying to figure out what's going on there yeah um, but when i'm not reading that i'm kind of a history person so i read books about uh the american revolution i read books about you know might read a book about like brown versus board of education having to do with the law um you know currently i'm not really reading any particular book i go i go through stretches of about two or three weeks where i don't really read anything and then i'll pick up two or three books and read them back to back to back. And then I'll go a couple of weeks without doing much. Um, so currently it's really news and more sort of articles than any sort of books, but yeah, I'm, I'm a history person and I'm a, and I'm a person who likes to read about uh, legal history as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I find I struggle and maybe this, I'm giving away my oldness is that I'm really bad about audiobooks. Like my attention span with audiobooks is a struggle. I can listen to podcasts, right? 30 minutes, an hour. But the right. idea of like, I'm halfway through chapter eight drives me crazy. So I got to pick up a book and actually do it that way. Um, how about music for you these days? Have I opened up your Spotify playlist? What am I seeing as uh, what's playing? Uh, you would be really confused if you open up my Spotify playlist because it's everything from uh, like Rush and classic rock, which I've just recently gotten into again. I've been starting to listen to again because of the uh, death of Neil Peart, the drummer from Rush, and all the way to like late 80s, early 90s rap and gangster rap and all that stuff. I mean, it's my playlist. My, my wife always laughs when it's my playlist that we're listening to on a road trip because she says it's 
completely random. I have everything on there except country. And even recently, I've gotten to start to like a little bit of country, but not that's just not my thing. But there's jazz, there's um, rock, rap, I mean, rap rock, all that stuff's on there. Yeah, it's funny. The two things that have influenced me lately, I listened to Hip Hop Evolution on uh, Netflix, that show. If you haven't mm-hmm. watched it, brilliant. And it's fantastic. It, uh, it's great for air travel. And uh, the episodes, like, again, it's like a history lesson on hip hop. And then I just finished with Ken Burns's country music. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's an investment. But man, I didn't realize how much of that classic rock, southern rock piece was really stemming out of that. It was great to yeah. kind of see that. Uh, two more questions. Uh, where were you on 9-11? So I was in law school. Um, I woke up in the morning to go work out and turned on the computer and saw that a plane had hit the World Trade Center. But at that point, everyone still thought it was some sort of an accident and maybe like a small commuter plane or something. So I got dressed, went to the gym. And then at the gym, uh, they had TVs on and everyone watched the second plane hit the uh, second tower. And so just about everyone turned around, went home. I spent the rest of the day uh, watching coverage. And then, of course, being in law school, great forum to then talk about all the issues of, of things that are going to happen there. So that it, was a, it was a good time to be in law school. I was actually in a constitutional law class. Uh, we talked a lot about constitutional issues. So that was, you know, it wasn't a good thing, obviously, but it was a great environment to be in if you're trying to deal with and cope with the sort of fallout from that. Which I got to imagine there's a lot of those same conversations happening around coronavirus. And I'm even thinking about like, what exposure do venues and organizations have if they gather people together, encourage people to come together, as opposed to, you don't do that, right? Same thing that our superintendents think about when we have snow days in St. Louis. Remember snow days? Snow days. Um, (laughs) Same sort of thing. You're right. Get that snow out of your brine. Yeah, so. Yeah, my, uh, my kids last summer experienced their very first rainout. I brought them back to St. Louis. We tried to go to a Cardinal game, and they're like, "Wait, things get canceled because of the rain?" It's like, "Yeah, things actually get canceled because of the rain." So anyway, I, I don't didn't mean to put a little bit of a sidebar on that, but you're right. I mean, one of the big issues is what is the standard of care? If the CDC, for example, isn't telling everyone to cancel public events, you have a public event and someone gets sick. Are you liable, even though the CDC is telling you you don't have to do that? So that, that's a major issue right now. Yeah, and no man's land, right? I guess uh, yeah. that's that. this is where we figure it out over time. Uh, one last thing, if you were doing the podcast right now, who would you love to talk to from high school that maybe you've seen do something pretty amazing uh, and you're wondering more about it or somebody that maybe you lost track of that you're like, I wonder if they're doing anything. Who would you, uh, you want to be talking to right now? So... Uh, other than you, of course, Bob, and we've kept in touch, um, probably TJ Eaton. Do you remember TJ? Sure. So TJ went into the military. He's one of the, he got, from my understanding is he, he was never qualified to fly in the military because of his eyesight, but he was a really early adopter of like LASIK, like early LASIK surgery, and then was accepted and became a flight instructor and now flies for Delta, I believe. But he's got all these experiences in the military, and he's also then completely off the grid. Like, even 
Brian Brown, who is like the internet of the 1992 Pattonville Pirates class of knowing who's who, barely talks to him and may have a cell phone number, may not. So I would love to talk to TJ just because I, I bet he has some really fun and interesting experiences. That's awesome. There are so many. As I started to dig into this work, um, there are so many amazing stories out there. So I'm going to try to cover a few of them through the podcast, but uh, I won't be able to get to all of them. So anyway, thanks for joining. And uh, this was fun. Uh, what's, the, what's your dog's name? Oh, these are my sister's dogs that are barking in the background. And I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Like, I thought we'd at least own it, right? Like, yeah, like might as well not ignore it. So, yeah. So I'm, uh, I am dog sitting while my sister uh, is out of town, and so I have two little yappy dogs that you can hear in the background. So sorry about that. Uh, it's all good. Uh, we're good. But hey, I promise you, next time I make it out there, I was at Phoenix earlier in the year and working with Phoenix Union High School, and then uh, uh, been out there for the music festival a third times on me. So uh, next time I'm out there, I'll make sure we connect. Sounds good, man. Thanks for everything, Eric, and thanks for joining the podcast. All right. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for listening to the Help Me Understand podcast. For more about my work, you can head over to drrobertdillon.com or follow me on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. Don't forget to rate this podcast as it helps alert others to the great conversations and ideas happening in this space. Until next time, this is Dr. Robert Dillon reminding you that an intentional life is filled with awe, curiosity, and joy. Thank you.